What's going on, everybody? I'm Daniel Levy. He is Shaq. This is Half the Battle. We're going to be talking UFC Sydney, Fabricio Vaikavala, we doom, versus Marcin Tibura. And Shaq, the UFC's back down under. Yeah, man, this is a huge spot for Tibura. I mean, if he can go in here and get this win, I mean, he's going to shock the world. And now he's a top contender. And uh, we've got plenty of other good fights, Bilal and Tim Means. And, uh, you know, Will Brooks, let's see if he can. Uh, he needs this one bad. Let's see if he gets the job now. His back is up against the wall for sure, but let's start off with uh, this female strawweight bout. I know everyone wants to hear about it. We got Nadia Kasim. She's minus 155, and Alex Chambers is plus 135. Now, normally we wouldn't start on a fight like this, but I heard you had a strong opinion on it. Yeah, man. You know, um, Alex Chambers, if you guys have watched the tape on her, I mean, it's plain and simple. She is there to get hit and not answer back. In all of her UFC fights, she gets completely dominated despite the Kylan Curran fight, which she was getting, she was down two rounds. And I mean, when chicks like Paige Van Zandt are going in there and just having their complete way with you and you're not offering anything back, you're getting taken down whenever they want to take you down, they're teeing off on you on the feet, and it's happening in all of her fights, the Ashling Daly fight, the Kylan Curran fight, the Paige Van Zandt fight, and it's going to happen here too. I know Kasim's inexperienced, I know she's never fought a chick with a win, but that's the case with a lot of these newcomers, man. On the local scene, you have to fight jobbers, and, and she's taking care of every jobber. It's not like she's going out there tying up with the jobbers and losing rounds and getting taken down. She's going there and finishing them in less than a minute. In it, all of them. And that's exactly what she's supposed to do. I don't know if Alex Chambers can do that. So yeah, I did fade Alex Chambers. I put two units on Nadia Kasim minus 150 because I just think that Chambers does not honestly want to be there. I kind of compare the situation, a, the, the scenario to the Marcelo Gohm-Colombo situation. I know Gohm's a lot better than Kasim, but it's the same scenario because when you get one chick that she's good at taking damage, that's what she's good at. She's got half a half a little takedown but then when she gets the takedown she gets reversed every single time and she has nothing to offer i think she's going to be a punching bag i think kasim's going to blast her with the left kick and do whatever she wants and honestly i should be putting more on this but i'm gonna just play it safe just for the factors that i said earlier but uh i think kasim's gonna handedly win this fight yeah it's one of those things where you should always look to fade alex chambers long term two-year layoff 39 years old and we already seen what happened in her last fight Page, if Paige Van Zandt does that to you, like, I don't even know what to say. And, I mean, you watch the tape, and, you know, Kylan Curran's whooping this girl's ass. Paige Van Zandt's putting on a clinic. It's like K1 Paige Van Zandt out there. So that in itself is really damn sad. Ashling Daly's finishing this girl in the first round. You know what I'm saying? So for that, you, you should fade her. The area that I have hesitation in is that Nadia Kasim, on one hand, you can say that she she handled the jobbers exactly how you're supposed to ha handle the jobbers, which is get them out of there right away. On the other hand, you can say what I said before the Marcelo Gohm fight, and it turns out it didn't even matter, which is that she hasn't even been past the minute 28 mark of the first round. You it know what I'm saying? It ain't going to matter. Trust me. <laughs> so that's why I haven't made a bet on this fight yet, even though I'm kind of thinking to myself, I mean, look, if she can finish these chicks, we know that girls aren't known for knocking other girls out, and this chick's going out there finishing it them. It's just the fact that we know this chick is there to get hit, and she's what is she good at? Getting hit. She's good at get taking punches, good at getting her ass whooped, plain and simple. Yeah, so with that being said, you know, it is an opportunity because this could be the last time we get to fade Alex Chambers, so... You know, part of me wants to put two units on it, but we'll see what happens. I want to see the fight week stuff because, I mean, we really don't know shit about this girl at all. 
Like, <laughs> so I, I gotta, I gotta put a little more investigative research into it because there's only two fights on tape. You know what I'm saying? And there's both... only two fights on tape on Marcelo Gomez as well, and it's gonna be the same type of thing. It might not be the quick bludgeoning, but it's gonna be 30-27, take her down with our, you know, basic ass. Uh, the, the but female see, takedown, at and least, we're going to do whatever we want. At least I know with Marcelo Gomez, Gomez, but it's the scenario. When you have a guy like Colombo who doesn't do anything in his fights, he fought a, a jobber in uh, Dan Ho and won because Dan Ho's a little a bitch. And then, for example, Chambers beat Kylan Curran, who's a mental head case, that legitimately let her get the armbar. It happened in the second round, and then she had her taken down in the second round, and she was like playing with it and waving her finger in the air like it's not going to happen. And then she goes in there and does it again in the third round. And what's Kylan Curran's UFC record? One and six. And then when you get dominated by Paige Vincent, dominated by Ashling Daly, you don't belong here. Two-year layoff, 39 years old. She could be training at ATT. She's been training at ATT. It don't matter. She's coming in here to get her ass whooped. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, but where I was going with this was that with Marcelo Gomes, we've actually seen him take people down. We've actually seen him knock people out on the feet. So we knew that he had both areas of the game covered. He's training at a great gym with her. I mean, she's her main training partner is Ash Canemok. It's not her main training partner. She just trains at the same gym, but so what, man? A gym <laughs> is a gym. Plenty of guys train at bum gyms or whatever you want to call it, and they come in here and do fine, man. This is just a specific spot. I don't give a fuck what Nadi Kasim does for the rest of her career, how she goes on. This is just this particular spot. And I feel like people overplay the she hasn't been past a minute just like they have in the past. It doesn't matter. When you're fighting a punching bag that's coming off a two-year layoff and gets dominated in every single one of her fights, you have to play it. Yeah, and you make some very good points. And I am picking Nadia Kasim as well. And uh, I might be joining on a joining you on a bet. You'll have to follow me at Best Fight Picks to find out. And if I do, I have to do it soon, man. Cause it's look- gonna inflate up very soon. I'm telling you by by Thursday, Friday, it's gonna be like minus two forty, minus two fifty, and. Yep, and rightfully so. So next up in the flyweight division, we got Eric Shelton. He's minus three fifty, Shaq, and the comeback on Janelle Lauza is plus two ninety. Now I thought it was gonna be you know minus one thirty five Shelton, minus one ten Lauza. It's minus 350, Shelton. Well, yeah, Shelton is the better fighter here. I mean, the guy was on tough. You know, he beat Sherbatov, and then he lost to uh, Pantoja and Jared Brooks, who, in my opinion, both of those guys are top 15 and guys. Too. And Tim Elliott, Both those guys are top 15 guys, or all three of them are. So, you know, he is the better fighter, but the thing with Shelton is he has that tendency to fight down to his opponent's levels. He, you know might have a tendency to fight a little bit close. And Lauza, I mean, at least this guy didn't go in here. I know he got dominated by Magomed Bibulato, but Bibulato just a... I know Bibulato just took his first loss, but it was first L time, man. And Bibulato's a much more well-rounded fighter. Um, I think Shelton should come out here and take care of business. I think the line is completely off. If you're looking to just throw a little a dart at Lauza, I understand because Shelton, I feel like he's that type of guy to uh, cry split decision, you know what I'm saying? So... This pick is Shelton, but it's definitely dog or pass. Yeah. As far as the line's concerned, it's definitely dog or pass. But the matchup, I mean, look, Shelton, people have been hyping this guy up. A lot of people were saying he's going to be a future champion. Now, I think that's a, <laughs> that's out the question already. But, you know, it, it's one of those situations where the kid's athletic, the kid's talented. It's just he's got to put it all together. And with Lauza, you know, he's one of these Filipino boxers boxing for MMA. Let me add that. You know what I mean? Uh, he's got some hands. It's just about him putting it together as well. So we're going to see who's got the better game here. I mean, I'm picking Shelton, but once again, 
from a bet perspective, minus 350 is a joke. So we'll see what happens because it could be close, man. Don't be surprised if he loses another split, which he is known for. He loses by split a lot, Shaq. I mean, all his losses in the UFC are by split, so. Yeah, so <laughs> just, you know, be tread carefully is all I got to say about that. Now, this one's going to be very good, man. We got Damian Brown versus Frank Camacho. Camacho is minus 135, and the comeback on Beatdown Brown is plus 115. I mean, look, these two are going to throw down until one guy falls. This is literally that fight, and uh, who's going to fall? Man, it's a good matchup. Damian Brown, he's very aggressive. He likes to, uh, he actually takes a lot of shots early, and then if he can stay in the fight in rounds two and three, he likes to turn it up, let his hands go on the inside. But, man, Frank Camacho is not the guy you want to be slugging with inside the pocket. The guy throws concussive blows. He's very experienced. He's been a pro for like 12 years, I think. The guy's very experienced. And um, I'm actually going to take Camacho. I actually think, you know, if I didn't have other plays, things that I'm more confident in that I'd play Camacho at minus 135 because I honestly think he's going to win. Beat down Brown's my boy, but the way he fights, he's very open early. And Camacho throws serious bombs early. I mean, we watched that Casilla fight in the local scene uh, yesterday, and he fucked Casilla up until he got his back taken and choked out. I feel like Camacho's the type of guy that'll get choked out and not knocked out. And uh, I feel like Damian Brown's the type of guy to get knocked out very early, like we saw in the Pachel fight. And uh, if if Camacho wanted to take him down, he could, because we know Damian's not an offensive wrestler. He's, come, he's looking to... Uh, if you wanted to seal around, I feel like it would be available. This is not the type of guy to sub Camacho, but I think Camacho will come out here and get the win. I feel like Camacho is the new school Melvin Gillard. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? That first round, you better watch out if you're standing and begging with Camacho. But if you can threaten the takedown, if you can get him in that clinch, if you can get him down on the mat, it's a different guy than when he's uh, standing and banging, throwing those vicious bombs at you. Because, I mean, the dude... Throws with the intent to get you out of there. And that's the bottom line. So Damian Brown has to be super careful, especially early, man. There is a chance that Damian Brown gets knocked out in this fight. Make no mistake about it. However, if he doesn't get knocked out in that first round and he can get it to the second and third, he might take over because Camacho is the kind of guy, and not just in his last fight. I know it was short notice. I know it was up a weight class. But historically speaking, if you go back and you watch this guy's fights, he comes out super hard in that first. Now, either he gets you out of there, but if he doesn't get you out of there, he starts to slow down a lot. So slowing down against a guy like Damian Beatdown Brown is not a good proposition. At the same time, the way he throws in that first round and the way that, you know, Damian Brown's kind of a slow starter. He needs to feel you out. You know, he got dropped a little bit a little bit by John Tuck before he found, you know, his groove. And even in his last fight, man, he, he was finding his groove and then he got caught. So he's got to be super careful here. I was actually looking at playing the under two and a half in this spot. I was surprised it was set at under two and a half. I thought it was going to be set at under one and a half. So I'm taking a look there. We'll make talks very soon. But yeah, all comes down to can Damian Brown get past the first round? That's... That's all I got to know, and I can't wait to tune in to find out. Now, also in the lightweight division, Will Brooks, he's minus 600. And the comeback on Nick Lentz, the carny, is plus 450. Now, man, Nick Lentz is a plus 450 dog here. What do you think about it? You know, whenever you see plus 4 or 5 against a, you know, an 11 and 5 guy in the UFC, you're generally like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? But then when you really look into it, it's it's rightfully so to be honest like i i'm sure you guys have heard me say two or three times on the show before that i feel like nick lynch's body 
has completely failed him. And I put him in the same category with a Johnny Hendricks, you know, because this guy's a D1 wrestler, you know, been cutting weight his whole life. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's got Mike Dolce with him and he's making cuts to 145 and he's gaining 30 pounds in one night fighting at 175 back when he used to be a featherweight. And I feel like those big weight inflations have like just ruined his body. And he even said it himself uh, after the Danny Castillo fight, he said that he's having medical problems because of all the weight cutting and that, uh, you know, that his body is in, uh, and it, he just pulled, he just had a weight cutting disaster, like, a couple weeks ago on UFC, uh, 216 or whatever it was, he just had a weight cutting disaster then, man, so, you know, I got Will Bricks at minus 350, I parlayed it with somebody else later, and, uh, I feel like Will Bricks is gonna come out here and do what he does, Nick Lentz will, this fight will be hairy for about a minute or two, Nick Lentz is a very tough guy, one thing about Nick Lentz, he has no quit in him, I mean, Islam Makachev full mount, full mounted him, and smashed his face in, and Nick Lentz did not give up. A guy can push D1 wrestler, like I said, but I feel like at this stage, Will Brooks is back against the wall. He needs this win so bad. If he lost his fight, I mean, he might get cut. I mean, they're paying the guy a lot of money, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like he's going to come in here, use the check knees, you know, the jab, fight pretty on the feet like how he used to do against Bellator. Like, for example, I see this going exactly like the Dave Jansen fight, except that uh, Lentz won't come out as hard as Jansen did that first round. And I just think uh, Will will, you know, seal off takedowns. We know Nick Lentz will give up that bottom position going for guillotines, and he's gotten one guillotine in his life, and he just keeps going for guillotines now. So he's going to give us that top position, and we're going to beat him up for three rounds. Who was that one guillotine against? Uh, Waylon Lowe. <laughs> and what happened to Waylon Lowe inside the octagon <laughs> after that fight? If you guys don't know, if you guys go on Fight Pass, uh, Joe Silva cut Waylon Lowe in the octagon because, you know, in the lead-up to the Nick Lentz guillotine, he was laying on Lentz and you know, just being born, and uh, I guess he lost his fight before that, I can't remember, and then uh, Joe Silva uh, let him out, he told him, you're gone, in the octagon. <laughs> He's like, you just laid on the guy and did absolutely nothing. <laughs> and Nick Lentz got a 50k bonus. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I know we've been critical of Will Brooks in the past, but this is such a spot where he can get back on track, and make no mistake about it, the loser's going home. It doesn't matter who takes the L in this fight, they are getting cut from the UFC, and I think Will Brooks is going to get back on track here, man. I mean, look, the fights he had with Cowboy Oliveira and Dubronx, I mean, you got to understand that. That didn't happen in here. Cowboy <laughs> Oliveira is a <laughs> physical <laughs> specimen. That you see what that dude just did to Ryan LaFleur? Yeah. I mean, and not only that, do you see what he did to Will Brooks? I know he missed weight and all that, but still, that's something that Nick Lentz doesn't do. Tough. And Will Brooks felt tough. I mean, allegedly he said he had a messed up rib, but, I mean, he was still taking him down. He was still taking his back. Yeah, that was just a different matchup, and also Dubronx. We we saw what Dubronx did to Nick Lentz twice, so I'm not worried about that scenario happening here with with Nick Lentz. You know, I just think that Nick is at that point where, you know, he doesn't need a fight anymore in terms of you know his body, but he needs to fight in terms of uh you know he needs to show up for that paycheck. You know the deal here. So he's gonna show up to Australia, take an L, and uh, this will be the last time you get to fade him. But unfortunately, it's Am minus six hundred on Will. Chance. You think I mean, he's only on one fight? He's only lost one fight. He's not on. He hasn't lost two in a row. This is true, but I mean, what was the last <laughs> exciting Nick Lentz fight? I mean, Castillo? The, the Evan Dunham and Charles Dubronx <laughs> fights were a long time ago, my man. The Castillo fight was entertaining in the fact that like they were both so tired and old, and Lentz just like stalked him and whooped his ass, and fucking he ate some shots as well. But it was a fun fight. 
Maybe they'll give him one more chance. Give him a chance. <laughs> so, you know, Will Brooks, now here's the question. Is Will Brooks going to finish the fight, which he's not known for finishing fights? Yeah, I don't think he's going to finish just because the way he fights, you know, he likes to be pretty. But we've seen how Nick Lenz throws punches in that Castillo fight. It's very ugly. Even the Michael McBride fight. If you guys watched that fight, McBride clipped him behind the ear one time, and Nick Lenz hit a knee. Luckily, he got back on top, and McBride is the jobber of jobbers, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Uh, Nick Lance is on the on the decline. He's been on the decline for a while. This ain't the guy that you know fought at forty five. This is a guy that's bloated, old. I mean, you look at his face when he was fighting at one forty five, and you look at his face now. I mean, it's like a thirty year age gap. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. <laughs> now in the flyweight division, we got Ryan Benoit. He's minus two fifty five, and the comeback on Ashkan Mokhtarian is plus two fifteen. Now, I mean, Ryan Benoit. On his best day, he can go out there and knock out Sergio Pettis. On his worst day, uh, he's getting dominated by Anthony Burchak. So what are you thinking, man? Man, you know, a lot of people I see love Benoit, and, you know, I totally understand it. You guys think Ashcan is what we like to refer to as a jobber, a bum, you know. Uh, an Ashcan. And, and a, a can. And I understand it. You know, the thing is, he did fight Miraga, who's a top 10 flyweight in his debut, and, uh, my thing with Benoit is, man, uh, when I watch the guy, it's it's kind of disappointing because I feel like he misses so many punches due to the fact that he's trying to knock your head off. But the thing is, if he can land, I mean, you're going to feel it. I mean, he dropped Moreno twice. He knocked out Sergio Pettis. I mean, when he lands, you feel it. The thing about Benoit is his takedown defense is terrible. I mean, I don't know what the actual percentage is. But, uh, I mean, when he's not fighting, you know, a 3-0 and Freddie Serrano who's shooting uh, takedowns, you know, trying to ankle pick him and shit like that. Like, like in the Moreno fight, Moreno gets his hands clasped every single time against the fence, you know. And I, I, I question his cardio as well. I, I feel like, you know, if you can lean on this guy early and he's, gonna, he's the type of guy to just start swinging big haymakers and missing. If he can land, he can land. But I feel like it's that type of fight where... It's going to be a real sweat. I feel like this might be closer than what the line indicates. But Noit is the pick for me. I think he should win this fight 100%. Like I said, I don't think Ashcan's a UFC-level flyweight. But I can't trust Benoit because I don't. I question his takedown defense. I mean, he gets taken down a lot, bro. And then his cardio, the guy's huffing and puffing. He can win these ugly fights like against Serrano, who's very inexperienced. But uh, I'm going to go with Benoit, but no bet for me. This is a fight I don't want any part of. Yeah, I mean, I think you said it well, man. Benoit should absolutely knock this dude out. But don't be surprised if he doesn't because he drops the ball a lot. I mean, there's a reason he's a 500 fighter in the UFC. But on his best day, like I said, he's out there knocking out the number one contender, Sergio Pettis. He had to go through hell to be able to accomplish that, but he still did it. The dude can knock anyone out in that weight class. And honestly, I think his takedown, uh, well, it's not really his takedown defense, but his get-up game, get game got a lot better. It's just... You know, We're going to keep going to our back is the issue. Are you going to put it together for three straight rounds this time, Ryan? I, I hope he does, man. You know, he's been putting in work at the Performance Institute in Vegas. Ricky Lindell. You know, he's doing the right things to get different results. You know, he changed things up. So I wish him the best, man. I'd like to see him come out here and perform with Ashcan. You know, even though, you know, he is a bit of an Ashcan, at least, at least, you know, he was in a Moraga guillotine. He didn't tap. Other people have tapped to that in the past. It's a tight choke, let me tell you that. And he lasted all three rounds with a guy that just knocked out Bibulatov in the first round. So, you know, that's one thing he's got going for him. And he landed a couple kicks on Moraga, too. He's a big flyweight as well. He's big for the weight class. Ryan should take him out. 
should keyword. So I hope he does for everyone that bet him. Now heavyweight division, we got Adam Washerek. He's minus one fifty five, and the comeback on the freight train, Anthony Hamilton, is plus one thirty five. So uh, the freight train uh, isn't done yet, Shaq. Well, the freight train is done yet, and I'll tell you why. I mean, you know, he comes into the UFC debut against Alexi Olenek. He eats a right hand, feels it, and then, you know, Alexi schoolyard chokes him out, and you know what I'm saying? You know, hey, it is what it is. Then he goes in there against uh, Demo, Daniel Omelanchuk, who, you know, is he with the company anymore? He's not with the company anymore. And look, Daniel Omelanchuk is uh, what we like to refer to as a, a fat jobber. I mean, the guy... The guy just puts his back on the fence. It's funny because I actually bet on Omelanchuk in the one spot, and he beat Alexi. So uh, that was actually really cool. But uh, my thing with Anthony Hamilton is, I mean, the guy just retired like a, a couple months ago against Spitz. He's going face first in all of his fights now, and he's been he's been striking, you know, leading in with his head. And I just feel like it, the game plan is very simple here. Just come ready early, touch this guy's chin, and he should do a face plant range. You know, Adam, he is a he is a smaller heavyweight. And, you know, on the local scene, it looks like he likes to do a lot of stupid shit. Like I see, <laughs> like I see with a lot of the European guys, you know, I've seen, I've seen a lot of European go, guys go out there and try to, you know, go for uh, triangles off their back. For example, uh, Alexander, Alexander Ratchik, the guy that fought Bahosa, you know, he was allegedly some K1 striker, but on the local scene, he, like, kept trying to go for flying triangles and shit, and I was like, bro, I can't bet on this fucking guy, but then he comes in here in his UFC debut and puts it on Bahosa, and it was minus 120, it was one of the easiest money fights on the card, and, uh, you know, I just think that... You have to have action against Anthony Ham Anthony Hamilton at this stage of his career. When you're getting knocked out by, you know, 205ers like Marcel Fortuna, who's a guy who's on his verge of getting cut from the company, um, you just got to have action against him. And Adam, I see him on Instagram hitting pads, hashtag knockout on all of his posts. So uh, I think he knows the game plan here. You know, circle off, land that right hand, and uh, let's see the man fall. And uh it's been a great career for Anthony Hamilton. He was the NFC champ, but it hasn't translated in the UFC. And I just think when those bright lights hit and he finally gets touched on that chin, he'll have he'll uh, have had enough. Yeah, Anthony Hamilton's at, at that point where he's getting face planted by the first punch thrown. You know, don't forget what Daniel Spitz did in his fight before the Anthony Hamilton fight. I mean, like when Mark Godbeer, you know what I'm saying? I know it was on a week short notice, but still, you know what I'm saying? When Mark Godbeer tools around with Spitz like that, and then he comes in his second fight and just one punch, you know what I'm saying? And it was like a really glancing blow, you know what I'm saying? So Not only that, you look at a guy like Marcel Fortuna. He weighed 210 <laughs> pounds when he fought Anthony Hamilton, and he knocked him stiff with a right hand, and then Marcel Fortuna loses his next two fights to jobbers, so it's... It just shows you the kind of level that uh, Anthony Hamilton has uh, basically declined to. And, yeah, so, you know, I parlayed Will Brooks minus 350, Adam at minus 155, plus 112, and uh, I think it's going to be a good money parlay, bro. Yeah, and if I play this fight, I'll put two units on Adam straight. I haven't played it as of yet, but definitely eyeing it because, I mean, this might be the last time, the last chance we get to fade Anthony Hamilton. It is going to be the last time. <laughs> so, you know, the thing with Adam is that he does all that dumb shit, you know, flops to his back. But is he going to do that here in but his UFC debut? I don't think he's going to do that for the UFC debut. I think, you know, in the local scene, guys have the tendency to just play around at times, especially on the Euro scene. 
And uh, I feel like he's going to come in here, hashtag knockout, and knock this guy out. So next up in the lightweight division, now I finally do have a bet for this one, Shaq. We got Alex Volkanovsky. He's minus 600, and the comeback on Shane Young is plus 450. Yeah, um, the under was set at minus 2.5, and, and, you know, Shane Young's never been finished in his career. The reason why, uh, I feel like a fight like this should never be, the under or over-under should never be set at 2.5. Uh, I feel like this should be 1.5. Like, look, Shane Young's a tough guy, but he's never seen anything like this before in his entire life. And, uh, like, I feel like Volkanovski uh, should come out here and get him out of here in under two and a half rounds if he's the real deal. I don't want I don't want a war. I don't want any back and forth, you know. Unless uh, Shane Young wants to shock the world and knock him out, I feel like it's a safe play both ways. If Shane Young wants to shock the world and knock Volkanovski out, you know, coming in, because Volkanovski is a bantamweight, if we're being honest. And uh, if he wants to knock Volkanovski out, then go ahead. Just do it under two and a half rounds. And I just see Volkanovski throwing too many concussive blows. And Shane Young bright lights never feeling anything like this i think eventually the opening will be founded the way he strikes he's too slow volkanovsky is too powerful too fast the ground and pound if it hits the mat i just think uh, volkanovsky gets the job done in under two and a half rounds yeah shane young got the call that he was going to fight alex volkanovsky three days ago just to put that into perspective you know who knows what kind of shape this guy is in but you know i watched his fights on the regional scene if there are any indicator you know he's very slow he's willing to bank He's plotting, and he walks forward, which is exactly what Alex Volkanovsky wants. He doesn't want to have to find you out there. You know, this isn't a guy that's going to try to, you know, find his range and look pretty and, you know, pot shot. Shane Young is going to come out here and try to fight Volkanovsky. So that's a recipe for Volkanovsky to slip the jab, throw a big right hand over the top, and knock this guy out. And if he's able to do that under two and a half rounds at minus 140, I think we're going to cash a nice bet here. I put two units on it. And like you said, man, if Shane Young wants to come out here and shock the world, be my guest. Just do it under two and a half. But uh, look, man, I think this is the perfect opportunity for Alex Volkanovsky to extend his win streak, get a big fight, get a highlight reel knockout. And if you don't know the story with his last fight, you know, because I know he fought an old guy in Mizuto, and we're all like, how come he didn't knock him out? Well, firstly, he, he kind of did knock him out if you go back and watch that. That was a that should have been stopped. But that being said, man, you go and you listen to his interview on Half the Battle, and he said that he had a staph infection the day before the weigh-ins, and uh, he basically was fighting in a way that he was conserving himself. You know, he'd hurt Mizuto Hirota, and then he'd be like, "All right, I gotta, I gotta chill out. I don't want to gas myself out." He didn't know how much gas he had for three straight rounds. Now I gotta assume this guy's in the shape of his life. I'm hoping you know he doesn't get another staph infection. I, I, I'm, I'm sure that he's gonna show up a hundred percent for this one. Slip a big jab, throw that right hand, and knock this dude out and catch that under two and a half. So I got Alex Volkanovsky, and I can't wait to see who he gets matched up with next. Middleweight division, we got Elias Theodoro. He's minus 260. The comeback on Daniel the Goat Kelly is plus 220. Yeah, it's a good fight. You know, uh, before the Brad Tavares fight, my thoughts on Elias Theodoro weren't very high. I thought he was super overrated. I still think he's a little bit overrated, but I feel like this is a good spot for him. I mean, one thing you can't question about Elias is heart and cardio. I mean, say what you want about the guy, but the guy will not quit. The guy can push a pace for three rounds. And, I mean, he made me sweat my Brad Tavares play. Just put it that way. I was I was very worried about that. He it looked like he was about to steal it. And then, luckily, Brad, the, the better the better fighter prevailed. And uh, I think he's a better fighter in the spot. Dan Kelly, of course, he's got good a good left hand. Solid fed. The guy beat, finished Antonio Carlos Jr. But I feel like he's on the tail end, especially after that last loss. 
And uh, I know it's in Australia, but I just think Elias can push a pace that he simply cannot deal with. Elias is going to run away here. He's going to see that left hand coming from a mile away. And he's going to weasel out a decision. He's going to kick him. He's going to tie him up whenever he wants to just to break. And then he's going to separate and throw the kick again. And it's going to be 29-28 uh, on two cards, 30-27. And he'll, he'll, he should win this fight. I would not take the shot on Kelly because, especially after that last fight, 40, how old is he now? 42, 41? 40. 40? You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you're going to split with Rashad Evans. and You know what I'm saying? And eh, Look, I think the guy's tough. He finished He finished Antonio Carlos Jr., who, in my opinion, is the number one uh, prospect at 185. But I just think Elias is going to just outwork him for three rounds. Shaq, when people beat Dan Kelly, how do they usually beat him? Knockout. When was the last time Elias Theodora knocked out anything? He doesn't have to, though. No, answer the question. Never. Uh, Sheldon Westcott? Roger Narvaez. <laughs> All right. Who's faster, Roger Narvaez or Dan Kelly? <laughs> Who's won a fight in the UFC? <laughs> Roger so, Narvaez won a fight in the UFC. <laughs> that, 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 that didn't really happen. <laughs> I mean, it's one of these situations where, you know, how diminished is, is Dan Kelly from that knockout loss? I mean, we can excuse it, say that it was Derek Brunson, a dude that knocks almost everyone he faces out in the first round. He pr probably would have knocked out Elias, too. It is what it is. And then we got to look at, do people often outwork Daniel Kelly when they fight him? And they usually don't. That's why he's able to win these but fights. Has, has he fought anyone with this pace? I mean, Carlos Jr. doesn't have a half-bad pace. It was a 22-year-old Carlos Jr., you know what I'm saying? Hey, props to him. He made him. He made Carlos Jr. quit. But the thing is, man... If that I'm like, you don't do fights, you don't do fights over. And Carlos Jr. lost when it mattered, but we we know what happened if they fought again. He <laughs> <laughs> get fucking smoked and fucking. You know, I think Carlos Jr. But MMA map, none of that matters. I just think that Elias Elias's cardio is his biggest weapon, and his pace is his biggest weapon. I mean, even the in the Mahedo fight, what he lost, he got completely bludgeoned. But I mean, the guy like never stopped. Like he he had Mahedo tied up on that fence the whole fight, and he was getting fucking elbowed, kneed, and he still kept coming, man. And then the Tavares fight, you know, I thought to, I thought that was an easy fight for Tavares going in. I was like, a, I was Brad, you know, come in here and expose this kid, which he did. But you know, it was a fight. It was a fight all the way to the end. When has Dan Kelly ever had problems in the cardio department, though? Who has he fought that can exploit that, though? Well, I mean, he has fought in Mexico, right? Wasn't there a Rashad fight in Mexico? And that was an ugly contest. Actually, it wasn't in Mexico. <laughs> it was an ugly contest. And Rashad, I mean, he's losing He's losing to Sam Alvey now. And you know what I'm saying? That's where That's where I feel like Dan Kelly's on. I feel like he can still beat, you know, I feel like if he rematched Alvey, he can win that. Or if he, you know, fought a guy, you know what I'm saying? I just don't think he's going to be Who you got if uh, Jocko and Dan Kelly fought? Shaka, you know what I'm saying? You, you say that with confidence still? Yes, with confidence. Well, not, not like. What's been happening Max to our Bet, boy lately? Max, not with Max Bet confidence, but, you know, I think Jocko would win that fight. You know, I don't think Kelly has that real one-punch What happened to Jocko, bro? ATT happened, bro. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I think Elias is going to outwork him, kick his arms, get his arms get his arms filled up with blood. And I know I know for a fact Elias can, has the better cardio and can push the uh, pace harder. I'd love to see Dan Kelly come out here, hit him with a straight left, floor, floor the young boy. When he gets up, hit him with a judo throw. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> send, send him back to the United States. So, you know, I got, I got a root for Dan Kelly, of course. Welterweight division. Jake Matthews, he's minus 140. The comeback on Boyan Velichkovich is plus 120. Now, uh, 
Are, are you still in the Boyan Velichkovich business? You know, Jake Matthews. <laughs> being in business with both of these guys is very fucking sketchy. I'll tell you that right now. Because Jake Matthews lost to fucking Holbrook, bro. And now, look, Holbrook's a guy that, you know, I love to fade, you know. Neto BJJ, 44 seconds, you know, easy KO. Gregor Gillespie. Gregor Gillespie, you know, easy KO. Olbrick's that guy, you come in there and, you know, you max bet his opponents to come in here and get that first round easy KO. And, I mean, the guy just lost to T-Bout Gotti, you know, the Frenchie, you know what I'm saying? And uh, Jake Jake Matthews lost to that guy, and it was ugly. Look, I actually thought he won the fight, but it was still, it was still, like, embarrassing that he even let it get that far. And, you know, Boyan, you know, before... Before the Nico Masoke fight, I I told myself, oh, Boyan's never a guy I don't want to get in business with because, you know, I was at his fight with Graves. And the way he fights, you know it's always going to come down to the wire. You know it's always going to be a split. And, you know, he loses a split to Sultan. He went to draw with Graves. His fight with Ch- uh, Alessio, which he went to split, where, in my opinion, he clearly won. Um, you know, we know his fights are like that. It's going to be a split decision, a close fight. He's not going to push the, he's not going to push the issue, which is good in certain spots. And it could be good in this spot, but after his last fight with Till, you know, I can't, I can't get it. I can't get involved with that guy because you know, when you're doing exactly what we want you to do for the first two minutes, you're getting Till a little frustrated. And then you want to put on a show, you get 150k bonus. You want to put on a show and you want to slug with Till now. And you see, and you pay the price of you to elbow and I'm not sure if the guy can ever come back from that. I want to I wanna wait it out and see how he comes back before I ever want to uh, get into the Boyan business. I do think he should win this fight. I just think he's with the right game plan. I feel like he could uh, take this fight very easily. But the thing is, I don't know how Matthews is going to be at 170. Is he going to come back with life in him? It was the weight cut too much? I don't know. So I'm going to pass. There's too many questions in this fight. Uh, I'm going to take Boyan, but definitely I'm going to sit back and enjoy. It's interesting, man, because... You look back at that Jake Matthews, Jake Matthews versus Andrew Holbrook fight, and on one hand you say, I mean, this guy lost to fucking Andrew Holbrook. But then on the other hand you say, you know, what happened to that explosive guy that, you know, was coming up the ranks early on in his career? You know, was the weight cut too much? Maybe him at 170 pounds, maybe he gets back to that guy that was destroying dudes, even though they were jobbers. But the thing with Boyan, man, is that... He let me down big time his last fight. And it's not the fact that he lost the fight. I can deal with an L. It's no big deal. It's the fact that you're doing the game plan perfectly for the first two minutes. You're leg kicking and running. And then you decide, you know, because you got a 50K bonus in your last fight versus Musoki, which, you know, you can even say that was a fluke KO. But bottom line is, you know, you got your first 50K bonus in a fight. And now, and then he decides, you know what, I'm going to taunt and dance. Dar- I'm going to taunt and dance against Darren Till inside the octagon. And, Immediately, he got dropped with an elbow, and that was such a concussive blow that, you know, he gets up, then he's trying to hug Darren Till, and he's doing all these things where we know the dude's concussed, and, you know, I don't even know if he's recovered from it, so I'm not playing boy on here. I understand why others are, because he's bigger than Jake, and if he has the right game plan, he can come out here and outpoint Jake Matthews, but when we went back and we watched the tape, man, (laughs) that last fight, that was brutal. So we'll see how he comes back. And, you know, he changed camps. He did all these things. Is he coming out here with a smart game plan or is he coming out here to put on a show? I don't know. I'm going to go with Jake Matthews. You know, I feel like there's been a trend where these dudes have been looking way better when they move up a weight class. And I'm not saying Jake is going to be a top 15 guy or anything like that. But I think he's got enough to win this fight. Just depends if uh, Boyan comes out with the game plan or not. But since I have to make a pick, I'll go with Jake.
Now, the real co-main event of the evening, we got Tim the Dirty Bird Means. He's minus 220, and the comeback on Bilal, remember the name Muhammad, is plus 180. Yeah, it's a good fight, man. Um, initially, when I this fight got scheduled, you know, I was definitely going to play Bilal, but then, you know, when you watch that tape, you know, uh, Tim Means, his fights with Alex Cowboy, you know, people are just under the assumption that Bilal is going to come out here and, you know, wrestle him for three rounds. And to be honest, I just don't see that being the case. I don't think his dressing is good enough to consistently take him down. He might take him down once, but let's not act like Tim Means can't get up. I mean, Alex Garcia briefly took him down. He popped right back up. Even in the Alex Cowboy fights, he reversed Alex Cowboy with the same uh, Kimura sweep that Jordan Mean hit on Bilal. Jordan Mean swept Bilal like two or three times with a, a Kimura sweep. Uh, either, although Bilal recovered very fast and he got back up to his feet, Tim Means has that same exact reversal. And uh, even in the second fight where Tim looked like like shit, you know what I'm saying? Alex Cowboy took him down, and Tim Means reversed him and got back on top. So I don't think Tim Means, people are under the assumption that his wrestling game is complete shit. It's definitely the weakness in his game, but I just don't think uh, Bilal's wrestling is good enough to take him down consistently, you know what I'm saying? And on the feet now, Bilal and Tim Means, you know, they both have the similar a similar approach. You know, they both like to parry. They both like to hand fight. And Tim Means is the longer guy and the guy that has the better power, in my opinion, and the better chin, in my opinion. You know, I think uh, if he, Bilal wants to play that hand fighting parrying game with Tim Means, I just feel like Tim Means slightly better than him. And then, like I said, I don't think his wrestling is good enough to consistently take him down. And I feel like Tim has the better chin. I feel like, you know, it depends on which Tim Means shows up. Tim Means is the type of guy that, you know, will drop the ball from time to time. And, you know, even though he lost Alex Cowboy, that's Alex fucking Cowboy. Like, that guy brings a different type of brutality. That guy is way stronger than Bilal. I'll tell you that right now. And, you know, the Randy Brown fight with uh, Bilal Mahal, I see the openings for the straight shots. I see the openings for the, the hooks, you know, off the straight shots. And Bilal's my guy, man. I, I mean, I talk to the guy all the time, but it's... As a betting man, I have to pass on the plus 180 because I don't see any particular real advantages he has in this fight. Like I said, I don't think his wrestling is good enough to take Tim down on a consistent basis. So I'm going to take Tim in this fight. I'm going to say by 29-28 decision, back and forth fight. I think, you know, he'll wobble him maybe once or twice. I think Bilal will recover and still stay in the fight. Like I said, 29-28, I think he'll win around, but I'm going to take Tim Means. It's a really good fight, man. On one hand, you can look at it like... Bilal Muhammad has struggled with southpaws in the past. You saw the fight with Alan Juban. He did get dropped a couple times. But on the other hand, you can say, what about that third round when he 10 aided Juban? He came back. With, with Tim a... Means ain't chinny like that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Means ain't chinny like that. This is true. But, man, he drops the ball a lot. To Alex Cowboy. And he didn't drop. He got beat. It wasn't dropping the ball. He got beat. Alex Cowboy is the better fighter. Alex Cowboy is a top 15. The first time they or... fought, Alex Cowboy wasn't the better fighter. The, the thing is, the, the second time he straight that's what the ball. That's what, that's what the game is. Some One night you fight him, one guy wins. That's why we have flukes in MMA. If Rose and Joanna fought another time, Joanna would probably win. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? If Cody and TJ fought another time right now, you know what I'm saying? Well, nah, he's concussed right now. But <laughs> in, <laughs> in a couple months, you know what I'm saying? I don't know who wins. But when it mattered, Alex Cowboy got his hand raised and Tim did some illegal shit. And the thing is, Alex Cowboy took him down in that fight too in the first fight, you know? After Tim was doing his thing for a little bit, Alex Cowboy is below. I think Bilal is a great fighter, but Alex Cowboy is on a completely different level. Like, we just saw what Alex Cowboy did to Ryan LaFleur. You know what I'm saying? Ryan LaFleur, a guy who's lost one fight in the UFC to Damian Mai, he got knocked out stiff. That's the type of level Alex Cowboy is on. Alex Cowboy's knees in the clinch are brutal. His tie-up game is brutal. 
Bilal ain't gonna do that. I'll tell you that right now. Tim Means ain't. Uh, people are under the assumption that he's that bad at wrestling. I don't think he is. Well, it's not that he's necessarily bad at wrestling. I mean, you don't have to take the guy down to grind him out. You can grind him out I against don't think the he cage. Can tie, I mean, that's Tim. That's Tim's game. If you want to tie up with Tim, just make sure you know those elbows are coming. And we've seen Bilal wobble. <laughs> <laughs> we've seen Bilal wobble. We've seen uh, Tim. Uh... I've seen Tim. Yeah, but Bilal ain't something. I'll tell you that, right? Now. I don't like. I said I don't think his it's wrestling. It's not just Alex Cowboy. I don't think his wrestling. Matthew Brown uh, had Matt something fucking, to say about it's a it too. Prime Matt Brown, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, I think Bilal is on the come up. You know, unless he makes significant improvements in his game, which I'm sure he has. And I don't think Tim's gonna make improvements at these 33s. Had like 40 fights. The thing is, from what I've seen on Bilal from tape, he has the same approach on the feet as Tim. And I don't think I think Tim's slightly better. And I mean, when you're getting reversed by Jordan Mean three times, and you know. You're, you can't even take him down. Like, he, he he got, like, he didn't really didn't even get a takedown. If I got one, but Mean would hop right back up every single time. And I just see Tim doing the same thing, and I feel like Tim's slightly better on the feet. Well, Tim is definitely better on the feet than the last two guys that Bilal has fought. But at the same time, those two fights are definitely going to get him ready for this one. I mean, he's in there with the long strikers like Randy Brown, like Jordan Mean. But now he's facing a southpaw. That's the biggest difference in my in my opinion because when those straight shots come down the pipe from a southpaw, it's just from a completely different angle that you don't expect. So, you know, if Bilal tries to come out here and get into a parrying battle with Tim Means, you know, lose. he could get knocked <laughs> out. But I, I think he's smarter than that. I think he can... You know, it's not going to be the inside leg kick here. It's going to have to be the lead leg outside leg kick. Use that lead leg outside leg kick, kind of like Gaethje did to MJ. You have to use that. If he doesn't use that, he's going to get in big trouble. He has to use that. He has to clinch him up against the fence and make it dirty. Try to take his back. Try to drag. Try to try to drag it to the mat. Because I mean, you know, you you go toe to toe with the dirty bird and. Like, look, a lot of people are saying that Tim looked like shit in his last fight with Alex, and I don't even think he looked like shit. You know. We know what type of power Alex Garcia has. You know, Alex caught him with the right hand early, and Tim was like, oh, fuck that shit. I'm just going to box his body up from the outside, and he clearly won the next two rounds. It showed that, you know, he doesn't have to bang in a fight. He can point fight as well, which we really don't see from him. Generally, he's all action, big elbows, big one-twos, and uh, he showed that he can be calm and win a decision. Yeah, and we know Bilal has that quality as well. Exactly. He's, he's all about winning the decision. <laughs> so... You know, I think it comes down to a couple things. You know, I think that Bilal can take a lot from the Alex Garcia fight. And the thing is, Alex is historically known for fading late, man. He showed a lot of vulnerabilities in Tim's game. He just didn't have the gas to go out there and finish the job. And I think that a guy like Bilal, especially now that he's coming into and, his own inside you know, the octagon, he when, can exploit that. Let's not forget, Alex Garcia took down Sean Strickland and Neil Magny, you know what I'm saying, on, on a consistent basis. He took Strickland down like three times. He took... Uh, he took uh, Magni oh, down. Oh, what does that have to do with anything? But I'm saying, like, that guy actually has, like, a legit shot. I don't think Bilal has, like, a legit double leg to get him down, is what I'm saying. I mean, you know there's other takedowns besides a double even leg, right? Even if, like, he wanted to tie, <laughs> even though he wanted to, like, tie up on the fence, like, bro, getting into that game with Tim is, I just don't, I just don't think, uh, I just don't think it's, uh, a, like, if I were to bet this, out of dog money, which I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I would not be very confident. That's what I'm saying. I understand. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm not betting it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I, I feel like it could go either way. So may the best man win. Hopefully the best man has remembered the name. <laughs> but we'll see. Main event of the evening. Fabricio Vaikavala Wardoom, the former heavyweight champion. He's minus 345, and the comeback on the, the up-and-comer, Marcin Tibura, is plus 285. Now, Shaq, you know, I, I kind of thought on paper – that 
not necessarily that it's a mismatch, but it's a massive step up in competition for Marcin Tibor, especially when you consider that his last fight, you know, when they give you Arlovsky and you're a young up-and-comer, you know, you saw what Nganu did to Arlovsky. You're supposed to go out there and blow Arlovsky out the water. You're supposed to knock him out in that first round, and uh, Marcin, uh, Marcin almost dropped the ball, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't forget about that. Yeah, like you said, when you get the Arlovsky fight, you're supposed to make an example out of him, like Stipe did, like Overeem did, like Nganu did, like Albini couldn't do, you know what I'm saying? And But, hey, at least Tybura got through it, even though it wasn't very impressive. Now, the thing is, we know Verdum's the better fighter here. We know he's better, way better on the mat. And his last fight against uh, Walt Harris was, you know, he treated Walt Harris exactly like how he was supposed to treat Walt Harris because he's the better fighter. You know, his last fight with Overeem, the fight before that with Overeem, there's no shame in that. Overeem's just a better fighter. And fucking, you know, Tibur is just not on that level, man. Um, You know, if people want to take that shot, I'm not going to sit here and act like Tabor can't knock him out because heavyweight's throwing punches. Anything can happen, you know what I'm saying? It's a heavyweight fight, so you know what you're getting yourself into. But uh, I think Verdum's the better fighter here. He should outclass him. Um, Marcin has to knock him out cold to win this fight, in my opinion. I think Werdum's the better fighter as well. And, you know, I, I hear people talking about how, oh, Werdum's chinny and all this. He's only been knocked out by the hardest puncher in the division, Junior Cigano, and by the current champion, Stipe Miocic. It is what it is. You know, Marcin was just in there with a guy that was 100 times more chinnier in Arlovsky, who's been knocked out 10 times, and Marcin couldn't knock him out. It was Marcin that almost got knocked out by Arlovsky at the end of the first round and during the second round, man. So, you know, I had a max bet on Marcin in that fight, and he uh, he made me sweat that shit. You know, it was... <laughs> I had two on the night. You know, I had... John Tuck to beat Gomi, which you, you know how that went. He took care of Biz. And then you think Marcin Tibor is about to take care of Biz against Arlovsky, and he makes you sweat. He made me earn that. And I don't think he has what it takes to beat Werdum. Look, if he lands a shin to the chin, okay, much respect. You got the the biggest win of your life. But this ain't Victor Pesta no more. This ain't Luis Henrique anymore, man. This ain't Ar Andre Arlovsky anymore, who you're barely uh, scraping by. This is Fabricio Vaikavala Werdum, and even though, yeah, he's 41 years old, but with the heavyweights, they do good they're when they're 40. old. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they're, they're all around that age. I think the straight punches are going to be faster and crisper for Werdum. I think the knees up the middle, especially in that tie clinch. And this guy, he's not afraid to throw a flying sidekick. He's not afraid to throw a flying knee. He's not afraid to pull guard. You know, if you land a big shot on him, he'll pull guard. He, he's doing all that cocky shit that he's done over the years. Remember when he tapped out Fedor? I mean, the guy's been doing this shit for years. Even the second Overeem fight, which didn't go his way, like, if you watch that, he actually outstruck Overeem, you know? Like, he straight up outstruck Overeem. Who won the fight, though? <laughs> and, uh, you know, judging was different back then. Yeah, right. <laughs> Overeem won the first two rounds, clear as day. And then the sec the third Overeem yeah, he fight. fucked Overeem up in the third round. He uh, knocked Overeem down. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of level of striker that... Uh, where Doom is, you know, you saw what he did to Kane Velasquez in Mexico when, you know, Kane's supposed to be cardio Kane. I think uh, Fabrizio Werdum's got something for Marcin Tibor. I think he's going to come out here. I think he's going to finish him. You know, whether it's, you know, the first takedown like he did against uh, Walt Harris, you know, pass to side control, get that full mount, get that uh, get that arm bar. That was beautiful. Or, you know, if they stand and bang for a little bit and he knocks him out, what, whatever he decides to do, I think that Fabrizio's going to take care of business. And if somehow... Marcin can pull off this upset. Hats off, you know what I'm saying? But I think he's going to take a step back here. Well, Shaq, we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Big Marley coming off. Man, you're on quite the hot streak, my friend. I, it must be feeling good to get all these big wins. 
Yeah, man, I'm loving it. Uh, if I could just keep it going this weekend, that'd be great. I mean, what's the secret, man? Everyone's been asking me, what What does Kyle Marley do differently that I don't do? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I put in more lineups, I guess. That would be different than what you do. But other than that, <laughs> man, just hard work pays. Yes, sir, it does. And, uh, you know, I'd have to assume that Alex Volkanovsky is about to be a huge favorite on DraftKings because, look, he's minus 650 in the betting lines. But... He's minus 650 for a reason, man. I looked up this kid, Shane Young, that he's fighting, and let's just say the striking defense is an issue. We know that 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 part of your game has to be on point when you're fighting a guy like Alex. And I also found out that Alex actually had a staph infection in his last fight. That's why he wasn't able to get the finish. I would have to assume he's 100% here, and if that's the case, he's going to come out here and put a beating on Shane Young. Are you putting him in your lineup? Yeah, I think it'll be hard to avoid. Um, I think it's probably the best play on the card, uh, highest ceiling, safest play as well. Uh, the only problem is he's the most expensive, so he's going to have to score the most points on the card in order to win you the GPP. Um, but I don't think that's out of reach, so I think I will I'll definitely have him in GPPs. I'm not sure if he's a lock in my cash yet just because I'm having a hard time finding dogs I like this week. How expensive are we talking, 9100 Uh, 9500 Oh, wow. Yeah. You don't often see those, do you? <laughs> no, not usually, but I mean, he, he should pay it off. I think he would get over 100 points. So 9,500 is not too bad if, as long as you're going to rack up the points. So I heard you had an opinion on this one because Jake Matthews is take on, taking on Boyan Velichkovich. And man, I got to say, Darren Till whooped Boyan's ass, you know, and I, I don't know if he's still recovered. And I like the trend with these guys going up a weight class, and that's what Jake's doing here. I would expect him to look better if. It really was the weight cut that was affecting him. What do you think? Yeah, um, he's definitely he needs this win big time. Um, and I do think Bojan will be a little bit popular on this card. I've seen a lot of people picking him in bets, so that's also that's what's making me lean more towards Matthews. Is I would rather have an underowned Matthews, who I think is the better fighter and can control where this fight goes and could win it on the feet or on the ground. Um, and he's only 8,500 on DraftKings. Bojan is 7,700. So I think I'm going to have to kind of stay in this mid-range a little bit since I'm not loving a lot of dogs. So he's just kind of fallen right into the lineups that I'm making. So I think Matthews would be my preferred play. Uh, but I'm seeing a lot of people on Bojan. Um, if it wasn't for people being on him, maybe I would have him as some punts. But if he's going to be over-owned, I think I would just fade him. Another dog I have a feeling a lot of people are going to like is uh, Bilal, remember the name Muhammad. But, man, this is a tough matchup for me to predict. What, what are you thinking, man, as, as far as DK? Uh, he's definitely my favorite name down there at the bottom. Uh, so he's the one I'm wanting to pick out of those people. However, the problem is I'm loving Tim Means in this matchup. So I would prefer Tim Means on my team. He's just 9,100, and Muhammad is 7,100. So... I'm having a hard time on this one. I would prefer Means. I think he could finish this fight on the feet. Uh, but if he is getting taken down and he loses the decision, then Bahamas going to pay off his value for sure, and Means lineups are all going to be dead. So I think I would rather just take both of these guys maybe in different lineups if I'm going three lineups, have one of each of them, and then uh, fade the third. So a fight that I know for a fact these two are going to stand and bang until one guy falls is Frank Camacho versus Damian Brown. You, you just know that these two are going to throw some serious heat. The winner is going to score a lot of points. Now with Camacho, 
I mean, he could win this fight by first round knockout. The guy comes out there, he throws the kill. But with Damian Brown, he's been a he's a little durable Australian man. And if he can get past that first round, he's got cardio for days. So I do think the winner is going to score a lot of points. Are you leaning a certain way? I'm leaning towards Camacho. I've never been high on Brown, um, but these Australian fights are difficult because like, the flights are usually so far for people, and you got the hometown guy there in Brown. He's only 7,800 on DraftKings, while Camacho's 8,400. So I wouldn't say Brown is a bad play at all. I could definitely see um, a lot of people being on him, and he could definitely pay off that $7,800 price tag. But my preferred play is Camacho, and I would hope he does get that first-round finish. Uh, I'm just I'm not locking him in any lineups. I would rather avoid this fight than make it a lock, but preferred play is uh, Camacho. So I see everyone's fading this guy, Ashkan Mokhtarian, and I understand why. I mean, you watch the tape. It's not very impressive at all, but the thing is, Ryan Benoit, look, I am a fan. I mean, he's exciting to watch, but there's a reason he's a 500 fighter in the UFC. He drops the ball a lot, but that being said, he's due for a win. You think he's going to get one here? Yeah, I think he will get one. Um, I'm just not sure what his ownership will be like. I do, I do think everyone's going to be fading Ashkan as well which makes me think that they will be on Benoit. Um, so if, if I get a judge on the ownership by the end of the week, if he's going to be popular, I would fade this fight and maybe even take the shot on Ashcan um, just to go the opposite way. But I definitely think Benoit wins this fight, um, possibly a knockout. So he's the preferred play, but it, I think it really just depends on the ownership. If he's going to be too popular, I don't want anything to do with him. Another guy that people might be fading is Anthony Hamilton. The issue is that, you know, Adam Waitrek on the regional scene, you know, he plays a lot of games, man. He flops to his back a lot. It's just, is he going to do that here in the UFC when it matters the most under the bright lights? And you're taking on a guy in Anthony Hamilton where you just need one punch and the guy's going to face plant. Yeah, I think this is a great fight to target either way. Uh, I think Waitrek will be popular because Hamilton cannot take a punch. Um, and recently, if you pick against Hamilton, you're locking up 100 points on your team. So I don't, I don't hate 100 points, that's for sure. Uh, so I don't think he's a bad play. I just think he will be popular as well because of the Hamilton fade. So I would rather lean towards Hamilton on this one. Uh, but the problem is you could get zero points on your lineup. So I don't think he's cash viable, really, uh, unless you just have to take that punt. But I think he's a decent GPP play because people won't be on him. And if he wins... He should pay off his price tag of seventy five hundred. So yeah, as long as he gets over seventy five points and a win, then he would be fine. It's just, are you comfortable with taking a zero on your lineup? You know, it's a, it's a risk you'd have to take. Uh, but I think the other guy would be pretty popular. So man, you know, as a fan of the sport, you know, Elias Theodora, he is kind of boring. But I got to ask you, even though his fights go to decision, does he score a lot? Because the dude has a lot of volume, even if he's throwing at the air. No, I don't think he does. Let me check here. He's averaging 66.6. Oh, that's not um, good, huh? Well, his first fight against Westcott, he scored 131. Oh, wow. So that would have been awesome. Uh, but the only time he's... Uh, is uh, Navarez. He had 100 on the nose against him, and he has not even came close to 100 since. So, uh, I mean, Dan Kelly, I guess, would be the guy to score high on. He, uh, that's one of the few guys I do fade. It hadn't worked out for me very well, except for the last fight. Um, but I have a bet on Elias paired up with Will Brooks, so I think that might just be enough investment for me where I can just fade this fight in DraftKings, and I uh, hope he just wins. So the main event, Fabricio Vicavalo-Werdum, he's taking on Marcin Tibora. As far as I'm concerned, man, I think uh, 
where Doom's going to come out here and finish him, but I'm looking at the books, man, and a lot of action is coming in on Tibura in multiple books, man. A lot of people think that this young, fresh guy can come out here and upset the former champion. I personally don't see it. I think where Doom is just levels above this guy. What's your opinion? Uh, I think for good win, you're right, uh, and he does score decently. If he wins, a submission is not out of reach, and he would score high if that happens. Uh, the problem is he's 9,300 on DraftKings, um, so he's pretty much right there with Volkanovski, where I would rather have him um, than Verdum, and I would rather just take that, that punt on Tybor at 6,900, because if he wins, maybe it's a first-round knockout. You know, you got the heavyweights, so those you just never know exactly how those are going to happen, so I would rather just take the punt in here. But I like both guys. I don't think stacking in cash is a bad idea. Um, if you're making multiple lineups, I think this is a good fight to use both ways. However, if I was only making one lineup and I had to use this fight, I would go Tybura. Well, Kyle, you're the man. The fans can follow you at Big Marley 3. Kyle, any message for them before we speak next week? Nah, man. Uh, good luck. Uh, if you guys want to play me, I got head-to-heads posted. Uh, but if you come at the king, you best not miss. <laughs> Kyle, thanks again, brother. We'll talk uh, next week for Kelvin Gastelum versus Michael Bisbee. All right, man. Sounds good. Good luck this weekend. You too, brother. Peace out. Later. And that's why Kyle Marley is the DraftKings guy for half the battle. Once again, coming off a massive win. I mean, this guy's a cleaning house, dude. I mean, consistent basis, that's what everyone's looking for, that consistent, easy money. Yeah, and when you talk about consistent, easy money, you follow Big Marley 3 on Twitter. Well, Shaq, we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Sydney? The fight to watch is going to be Bilal versus Tim Means. You know, if Bilal can come out here and get this win, that'll be a huge win for him. You know, Tim Means is a guy that's probably like top 25, top 20, right outside the top 15. And if he can uh, go in here and get the win, that'll be the biggest one of his career. Yeah, anytime you got Bilal Muhammad and Tim Means, obviously that's one of the fights to watch. For me, I got to go with Damian Beatdown Brown versus Frank Camacho. Like I said earlier in my breakdown, these two are going to stand and bang until one guy falls. And if someone happens to not fall, you know, I'll tell you this, people are going to get dropped in this fight. But if someone happens to not go out, then it's going to be an epic fight of the night type battle. I would be very surprised if, you know, if it was a one-sided, you know, three-round ass-whooping. If this fight goes three rounds, it's going to be a war. And if it ends in the first, someone's going to make a big statement. So for that reason, that is the fight to watch. So Shaq, who is the fighter to watch for UFC Sydney? Uh, my fighter to watch is going to be Will Brooks, man. I mean, you know, coming over to the UFC with all the hype he had, former Bellator champion, and, you know, me and you knew, both knew that he was going to have to pay his dues when he came over here, and he's paid those dues. So now he's got a very favorable matchup in Nick Lance, a guy, like I said, whose body is failing on him. You know, Will Brooks, his best friend, Poye, just won his fight last week, so hopefully he's riding high off the momentum and he can get another win for the team, and I think he is. He needs this one back. My fighter to watch is Fabricio Vaikavalo or Doom. In a way, this fight is a crossroads. And the reason I say that is because, do you know how devastating it would be for his career if he lost this fight? be over. Like, that would be <laughs> a detrimental L if he lost to Marcin Tibora. But at the same time, if he goes out here and gets this win, he can show that, you know, not only can he beat a guy like Walt Harris, but, you know, much respect to Walt Harris, but let's be honest, you know, he's a sub-500 fighter. But with Tibora, he's got a winning record in the UFC. He's coming off a win over a former champion. And besides that, he's been knocking everyone out. So if Doom can go out here and finish a guy like Tibora, that'll show that, hey, I can still swim with these young sharks in the heavyweight division, and maybe I am ready to make a second title run.
So he is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday, UFC Sydney. They don't got us on an early time this time. You know what I'm saying? They got the regular time slot. It's all good. They're taking care of us. It's all about that Eastern Standard time zone, man. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they can follow you at MMA Genius 05. And uh, any message for them? No, nah, man. Um, just thanks for the support. You know, I'm going to keep uh, bringing home the winning bets. Winning bets but uh, next week, there's a very good opportunity on the China card. And uh, just stay tuned. Yeah, same here. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the play. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. And, you know, just got to get back on a hot streak. I mean, for the year, I'm up well and good. It's just, you know how this shit goes. This is long term. We're winning long term. You know, people like to only talk about, oh, but the last two events you lost. This is true. You're 100% correct. But what about the last year? What about the last two years? What about the last three years? Been up for all of those, and I'm going to continue to do so. So until the next time, let's cash these bets.